Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. With Omicron surging across the community and across the nation and world, St. Joseph County Deputy Health Officer Dr. Mark Fox was back this week on WSBT 22's First in the Morning Monday with the latest. Dr. Mark Fox with us, the St. Joseph County Health Department Deputy Health Director. It's kind of like Godfather 3, every time you think you're out, we pull you back in. We appreciate you being here. Good to see you, too. Good to see you. Indiana has been uh, breaking COVID case count daily, seemingly the last couple of days. In fact, hit 15,000 last week. Are we doing any better? Is St. Joseph County mirroring that same sort of number? We're mirroring that here in the county. We had four record-breaking days last week, each day worse than the the prior day. Our previous high had been about 475 cases in the county. That was before Thanksgiving a year year and a half ago almost. Um, and we were over 500 four days in a row last week. All Omicron? We don't know. Why? We, I have to assume that that's the case, but you know what happens when you assume. So. Right. Uh, I've heard that saying. Uh, <laughs> hospitalizations, that is, of course, the, the next factor that you look at. Is the hospitalization rate rising at a similar rate? Fortunately, no, it, but it's not improving either. So before, before the holidays, um, we had peaked at about 168 people in the local hospitals. It had dropped in the period between Christmas and New Year's down to 130. We're at about 150 now. But it's been holding steady around 150 over the last week or 10 days. Does that tend to lean toward probably it's Omicron just because the hospitalization rate isn't matching the... The rise in COVID cases? Well, it's really the steep rise in cases that makes me believe that most of what we're seeing is Omicron, and, and I have no reason to believe that we're different than anywhere else in the state or anywhere else in, in the country in that regard. And in, in reality, with so many people doing the home testing and then just staying home and not reporting it, the number is probably much higher than that. Right. We had 3,300 cases in the county over the last week, and yeah, there are a lot of people that get home tests that we never hear about. Yeah. Um, so we assume that it's three to five times higher than that probably, which means almost 5% of the county probably is infected yeah. currently. St. Joseph County Council is going to be discussing uh, bringing the mask mandate back, and one of the people they say they're going to talk to for input is you. What are you going to tell them? Well, our guidance has remained the same really since the start of the school year. With the level of transmission that we've been seeing in the county, you know, we recommend that everyone wear a mask when they're interacting in public especially in enclosed indoor spaces. Um, So that hasn't changed. I think probably what's changed now is we would encourage people to wear the highest quality mask that they can. So encourage and recommending though are not the same as mandating. They're going to ask for a mandate. Would you recommend going to a mandate? I think given where we are in the county, it would be wise for the county council to impose a mask mandate. But the authority for that rests with the county council. So I assume they'll ask the health department for our opinion. 
we think masks are important. If that will help slow the spread, then I think that's the right step to take. All right. A lot of uh, middle and high schools are, uh, schoolers are now eligible for the vaccine and the boosters. Some of them are getting COVID right now. What's the time frame? If, if a child, for example, this 12 to 15 year old comes down with the COVID cases, we're seeing an oftentimes asymptomatic or, or mild case. They're thinking I can go out and get a COVID shot right away. Should they wait? Is there a wait period that they should worry about? From a clinical standpoint, there's no need to wait as long as their symptoms have resolved and they're out of isolation. Um, so early on, when vaccines became available, we recommended that everyone wait 90 days because there is some natural immunity, but also there was a vaccine shortage. We don't have that same vaccine shortage now challenging that issue. Um, so getting the booster as soon as you feel well enough probably is the right thing to do. It may not add a lot of additional benefit in the short term, but over the long term, the, the protection afforded by the vaccine is superior to what we're seeing with natural immunity. What about uh, the, the people who are vaccinated and they've recovered from Omicron as it was recently? There's kind of a growing theory that this could actually be good news in disguise. And the theory is so many people will get it, will actually reach some level of herd immunity in essence, and therefore there are fewer places for the variant to land and then mutate. Is that true? Anything to that? Well, I think there are a couple different pieces there. One is people who have had, been infected with the Delta variant were not as well protected against getting infected with the Omicron variant. The reverse is not true. So Omicron seems to protect against infection against other strains. It's early data, but so the suggestion is natural immunity from Omicron is better than what we've seen with prior ones. So that's good news. Um, although Omicron is wildly contagious, the case fatality rate, so an individual infected with it is less likely to die. And, and I don't mean to sound cavalier in saying that because clearly some people will be adversely affected, but it will affect vulnerable populations, people who are at risk from an immunity standpoint very quickly. And so there will be some herd immunity achieved from that that we hope will be long lasting. And as you said, not give a foothold for subsequent variants to get a landing spot. Dr. Mark Fox on WSBT 22's First in the Morning. Indiana's governor is pleading with people to get vaccinated. Governor Eric Holcomb delivered his State of the State address Tuesday night before a joint session of the General Assembly. The most passionate part of his speech was when he talked about COVID-19 and health care workers. He didn't say anything about the disagreements he's had with fellow GOP state lawmakers about the pandemic and state restrictions. Now, Holcomb did talk about the personal toll COVID has taken in the state including the more than 19,000 people whose lives have been lost. He said hospitals are full and diverting patients in search of open beds and the number of ICU beds in use is at an all-time high. He also thanked the 3 million Hoosiers who are vaccinated and getting boosted. You are a big reason our hospital network hasn't collapsed. We know that people getting vaccinated and boosted overwhelmingly stay out of the hospital, stay out of the ICU, and they don't die. If you haven't been vaccinated, I encourage, I plead, I beg of you to speak to your doctor and do so. I say this even if you've disagreed with every position I've taken, because I, I want us both to be around it continue to have those disagreements. The governor also thanked healthcare workers who he said have put others above themselves to continue the battle against COVID. WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. 
Most businesses across the United States right now are struggling to find workers, but there's one business where the shortage could have a devastating impact on future generations. Schools across the country are in crisis because of a shortage of teachers. Right now, it's a supply and demand issue. The supply of new teachers is not enough to fill the demand. Lisa Langfeld has been a teacher for 31 years. I think teaching encompasses a whole lot of things, helping people, uh, helping the community, you know, being with, with, with kids who um, are so excited to be in school. Unfortunately, there are fewer people with a passion like Langfeld. Experienced teachers are retiring or quitting, and universities aren't producing enough new teachers to fill open positions across the country. When there is a dwindling teacher pool, it's only going to hurt education in the state of Indiana. Seth Molnar is director of human resources for PHM. He says over the past two years, teachers have been asked to do more with less. The shortage of subs, the shortage of classified staff, um, the constant you know, flexibility that we ask of our teachers. Um, we've really asked a ton of our teachers and um, they've really responded, um, but you know, it has been a struggle. Of course, this is a problem facing schools across the country. So for large school districts, we have to be incredibly creative in how we attract, retain quality teachers. I and mean, that is our number one goal is to get the best teachers we can in front of our kiddos each and every day. Molnar says it's helpful to have numerous colleges in our area that train teachers. And PHM has a robust student teaching program. Plus, Molnar says part of dealing with the teacher shortage is keeping teachers in the district. We really look at you know, how we support our teachers in the classroom, whether it's getting them the resources that they need to be successful, finding ways to, to provide professional development and ongoing, you know, training, those types of things. So they are feeling supported along the way. And to cherish the Part of attracting new teachers is pay. The base pay for a starting teacher is around the same across our area, give or take a couple thousand dollars. But national numbers show base salary for teachers is low compared to other careers for college graduates. And while pay is an important factor, it's not the only factor. Until our legislators, until our officials begin to realize that not only is it pay, but it's morale. Bring education back to being a respected profession once again, and I believe we'll see an uptick. She points to legislative changes over the last decade that have not only made the job more difficult, but have also chipped away at the trust that communities have for their teachers. And while the answer to this teacher shortage crisis is not one-dimensional, Langfeld says it's up to all of us to fix it for the sake of our children. We need our parents to help us with that. We need our community to help us with that. We need our legislators to help us with that. We need to provide the very best environment that where our teachers feel trusted, our teachers feel respected, and our teachers feel valued. In nearby Edwardsburg, they too are feeling the teacher shortage crisis, but the superintendent tells me all positions were filled at the beginning of the year. Now, base pay for starting teachers in Edwardsburg is slightly lower than in some nearby districts, but the superintendent says community support is strong. Once again, WSBT 22's Kristen Bean reporting. COVID-19 scams are becoming more common with testing sites and at-home test kits. 
People are now reporting that identity theft could be related to personal information being shared to non-credible testing sites from fake at-home testing kits. Some have even reported at-home testing kits costing more than $50 each. Michigan's Attorney General is warning us all to be on watch. There are a few ways, like asking your doctor for recommendations or checking your local health department's website for authorized testing locations. People are reporting that identity theft is related to scammers creating their own pop-up COVID-19 testing sites or fake at-home testing kits. You typically give out some of your personal information to be authorized to receive a test. But scammers are now asking for additional information like your social security number. State leaders are now warning people that these scams are real and should be reported if you come across one. With rising COVID numbers and rapid tests becoming scarce, officials recommend researching prior to visiting a COVID-19 testing site. What we're worried about is that people will just see some place that's close to them and think that they're going to go there and get a free test, and then all of a sudden, there's some enormous charge. No one should have to be charged for this. If you think you have been victimized by a COVID-19 testing scam, make sure you report it to the Better Business Bureau. WSBT 22's Ashley Dagger reporting. St. Joseph County will no longer be odd man out. Tuesday night, the county council approved the coroner's ARP funding request to establish a county morgue. The approval will also benefit other counties in our area. Once a building is secured, the county hopes to hire a forensic pathologist to be able to conduct autopsies locally. That's exactly what the county coroner hopes. Autopsies right now are either sent to Kalamazoo or Fort Wayne, which have had negative impacts on the death investigations. Another downside to not having a morgue in the county is that it poses a health risk to the living as the pandemic continues. COVID-19 can still be spread even after a person dies, only adding on to why the St. Joseph County coroner was relieved when she learned her office will be getting American Rescue Plan funding for a morgue. The coroner's office requested $380,000 to purchase and upgrade a to-be-determined building. In the meantime, bodies are being stored at a crematorium and previously various hospitals. It will allow us to control infectious diseases better with the deceased. It will allow us to do our jobs the way we're supposed to and and also will serve families much better than uh, this current arrangements we have. The coroner is looking for a few properties and says she is glad to have funding to be able to act quickly when an eligible building becomes available. Jordan says that there has never been a county morgue but that they're handling the influx of COVID deaths for now. We're managing fairly well. Uh, we've got a very efficient team but I think as far as uh, the ability to handle families and the decedents with respect, I think that's a big plus for our community. Even before COVID, Jordan says her office examined an average of 10 to 12 bodies a week. There's also support from the prosecutor's office for a county morgue to make investigations more efficient. Jordan says the morgue has been a long time coming. And we were very pleased with that outcome. That's all I can say about that. It's a long time coming that we get a morgue in St. Joe County, and I appreciate all the efforts that everyone has put forth. Once a morgue is established locally, the county coroner says they'll start looking for a forensic pathologist to do autopsies, who would also serve neighboring counties. WSBT 22's Paige Barnes reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT.
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 